All right, everybody, welcome to the Deal Gen Podcast, where we talk to investors, entrepreneurs, and business titans about a wide range of topics and experiences. The Deal Gen Podcast is brought to you by Deal Gen Partners. Deal Gen Partners is the leading deal origination service on the market for private equity buyers. Deal Gen Partners combines their M&A and private equity experience with a proprietary method of multi-channel marketing services that they call the Bird Dog. This unique recipe generates transaction-ready deals at an unmatched pace and increases a private equity fund's chances of closing a deal by up to 10x. Reach out to DealGen Partners before you begin searching for your next investment. All right, guys, today on the DealGen Podcast, we are talking to Sam Koch. Sam has become a great friend of mine. Um, He's actually the co-founder of a group called Auto. So my company, DealGen, you know, used auto to create um, our system of outreach right now that we use to deploy um, on our behalf. And and these guys are unbelievable. So they've really just mastered that art of multi-channel marketing. And not only, you know, is the proprietary software they built out the best I've ever seen, but, you know, working with these guys is also fantastic too. You know, they really go above and beyond to um, add as much value as they possibly can to every one of their clients. And, you know, Sam and I, you know, dive in a little bit here on why multi-channel marketing works, the successes and the failures that go into launching a campaign and, you know, kind of the mindset that you need to have around, you know, when you're reaching out to individuals, you know, how it needs to be approached and how they've learned to approach it, not only through trial and error um, on their own end, but, you know, through just years worth of, uh, and, and, years worth of testing and launching these campaigns. So really excited to dive in here with Sam and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Sam, nice to have you on, buddy. I, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun getting to grow deal gen, you know, alongside you guys, with you guys, um, working with auto, you know, to, to kind of build up this process and, and formalize it together. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're both building businesses, a little bit independently of each other too. So, and we're both kind of starting, you know, at a relatively similar time. So it's just fun watching, you know, the journey uh, as we grow together, but also, you know, watching you guys grow as a company uh, at the same time. Yeah, it's been, it's been great watching you guys grow. I think it's cool given our role as a very technical product and you guys having this business relationship and how those two things can grow in tandem in, in different ways. Um, yeah, they intertwine a lot, you know, and um, and that kind of leads me to my first question in a way. So let's say I'm a prospect. Um, you know, we, we're all working and trying to sell people, you know, to uh, on the different services and different offerings that we have, right? And I think both of us are very familiar with um, how each other work. And, you know, we know how our relationship works. We know how your relationship works out of outside of this. But let's say I'm a general prospect who uh, is interested in auto and, you know, I don't know if uh, cold outreach is going to work for my business. You know, it's something that I personally have tried before and it didn't work that great. So I'm not sold on, you know, the whole theory of, you know, cold personalized outreach. Um, what would you tell me and why is, why is auto different than just uh, an entrepreneur trying cold outreach? Yeah. Well, First, I'd say if, if you try to do cold outreach the way you did it before, I, I agree with the sentiment. It's not going to work. Uh, the technology has changed. What you need to do to get in front of buyers has changed. And that's really what we do well at auto is understand 
the three main components of what gets someone to open, reply, um, and book a meeting. And that's understanding, finding how to find the right person, how to identify who that ICP is. Uh, our machine learning models find the perfect candidates for what you're selling. For DealGen, we're able to find founders who are potentially in that point where they're ready to transition their business. Mm -hmm. uh, we're then able to message them with personalized content about their business. So it doesn't feel like this is a one-to-many transaction. It's a, it's a one-to-one -one feeling. Right. And uh, we're able to get in their inbox and get on the phone with them using our proprietary technology that allows us to message them over multiple different channels. And that, that multi-channel approach um, really makes a huge difference to what our response rates are compared to anyone else in the industry. Yeah. Talk to me about that. You know, I think, um, a lot of people when they think about, you know, using or the, the, the tools that they've used in the past might be very one channel focused, right? It might be just email marketing or it might be, you know, they use HubSpot to send group emails or it could be, you know, uh, the LinkedIn approach, but why does that multi-channel work so well? And, and, you know, um, how did you guys kind of discover that that like is a, is a, a hidden trick or hidden benefit to this whole outreach method? Yeah, I think when people start outreaching, uh, they tend to think about what's the channel that they respond to the most. And so some people love talking on the phone. And so they'll, they'll pick up the phone, they'll start dialing. And that's great. There's some people who are like, I like when I get an email that's personalized, or uh, I'm really interested when someone sends me a LinkedIn. Maybe you respond to direct mail, maybe you're 95. But <laughs> the point is, everyone's got a channel that they like uh, to receive messages from. And that actually tends to be the channel that people start with to send messages from. Sure. The thing that that misses is like, just because you like one particular channel, doesn't mean your buyer necessarily likes that channel. And that's really where we come in is like understanding that not everyone's a call receiver or not everyone's a email responder and you know, some people have 2000 emails in their inbox and never check it. And they're super responsive on their phone. And so finding that perfect way to connect with your buyer is very important in this marketing world where there's just more and more content getting pumped out every day. Yeah. I think that's a really smart way to think about it, you know, and I, I actually hadn't thought about it that way before, but I know myself personally, you know, I don't, I don't love talking on the phone. Um, if I don't have to, you know, if, if, if something is like text worthy, just text it, you know, and, and, and I'll respond because I have my phone and, you know, it's, whereas a phone call, you know, you, then it might be about one specific thing, but then we get dragged on talking about other things and, you know, it, it distracts you from what you're doing and you might be in a meeting, you can't, you know, so I'm much more apt as a, as an individual to respond to text messages. So if someone calls me, it might be one, two, three times, you know, I might not answer or I might not even get to the voicemail because, you know, it's just not something I want to do. But if I get a text, I might respond within five seconds, you know, and that's the same approach where you might email somebody two, three times and, you know, they might not even have email on their phone, but you hit them with a, a voicemail and they call you back or, you know, they spend a lot of their time on LinkedIn. So, you know, it's a, if it's a staffing company, I mean, they live on LinkedIn, you know, you might hit that person with a LinkedIn message. They're on there eight hours a day and they hit you with a response right back, even though you've already emailed them three or four times, you know, they're not seeing that they're hit, they're seeing the LinkedIn. And at the end of the day, 
the goal of what we're doing is to get that prospect on the phone and have a genuine conversation about how you can provide your service and help them. Um, it's not to make a sale. You know, you're not going to make a sale really through an, a LinkedIn message or an email. You're going to have to still walk through your standard process. But what you guys provide is just way more at bats and way more opportunities for someone to make that sale. Yeah. And I, I think that's another big problem that I see with a lot of outbound marketing is people are trying to sell on that first contact yep. and like no one buys from a cold outreach directly. They buy once they get to know the person, once they like understand whether this is a technology that's like worth it for them. Right. Um, and that's a ladder of trust that you have to build with your, with your potential customers and selling just like, Hey, here's my solution. Here's my solution isn't really the way to do it. It's like, hey, do you have this problem? Um, in DealGen's case, like, are you looking to sell your business, but you don't know where to start? Like, we can help facilitate that. That's a problem. That's not a, you know, giving them just the solution up front and yep. assuming that they'll convert right away. So walk me through, you know, the, the typical process when you guys are bringing on a new client. You know, um, it doesn't have to start from like, you know, figuring out who they want to, well, you know, having all the upfront conversations. But once you know, you know, ideally who they're, who they're intending to target and a little bit about what they're, what they want to sell or what they want to talk to that um, prospect about, you know, how do you go about setting up these campaigns? Um, and, you know, how is it, what's the, what's the auto touch, you know, that, uh, that really kind of takes out the extra mile? Yeah, I think it's the fact that we've done so many of these campaigns before that we know what works and what doesn't, but we're still so focused on testing. Uh, so we'll we'll really sit down with the customer and understand who who are the people who are converting today and then boil that down into larger swaths that we can start to test and see messaging and how that's affecting for, you know, maybe a slightly larger audience or different audience. Um, think of one customer who we started with and they were selling to insurance brokers first as a cybersecurity product. And then they realized, you know, insurance brokers isn't necessarily who needs this. It's really the service providers who are at risk of the cybersecurity breakage. Uh, and that's, you know, a pivot and understanding those different markets and being able to test into them made the campaigns a lot more effective than when we were just like, okay, we're, we're just going to hit a different audience now. Um, it's that level. It's almost like an understanding of both the technical side, but also the social um, and business side that I think auto really has this benefit over most other people in the space. Yeah, I would agree. And I've seen it firsthand. You know, you guys, um, you guys are always testing. You're always bringing new ideas forward. You know, how, how can we get better? How can we add to these campaigns? How can we make it so that there's a little bit more personalization or we're adding, you know, the, the ringless voicemail aspect to it, you know, just bringing forward new ideas, figuring out what's going to work, <clears throat> you know, and then doubling down on, you know, what you guys say all the time, like we've, we're tracking all this data, you know, for us, we're reaching out to a number of different people. Um, and, you know, one of the people, the classifications that we reach out to are we go directly to companies themselves and ask them if they're for sale. Now, you're trying to catch somebody at a very like specific time uh, and that has a very specific need. So the response rate is going to be really low. So you guys have that data knowing like, Hey, when you reach out to these 
groups, you know, the response rate's this. But when you reach out to these companies, the response rate's this. Well, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be reaching out to those groups. It just means maybe we have to reach out more. Or maybe we have to go to a channel where we're reaching out to someone who has access to 10 to 20 of those groups, you know, like a venture capital fund that's invested across multiple groups. So, but you guys bring that forward to us and then we have a conversation around how can we just make this thing better? And I think that goes a long way too, being willing to, you know, collaborate, bring the data forward and collaborate with your partnerships. Um, At the end of the day, all we're trying to do is maximize the campaign and, you know, get the most out of it. Yeah. So you, um, you know, you obviously, uh, your other half isn't here. Holden, shout out Holden Bruce, um, of auto, but, um, better half. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys, you know, your business partners, um, talk to me about how that partnership, you know, what makes that partnership work and, and, you know, why have you guys been successful so far? Yeah. You know, I think it's a, it's a funny thing that you said earlier in the podcast about the channel with which you communicate being text. Um, and I think almost like the way that you talk to your prospects, you also kind of have to find a way to talk to each other. Um, yep. And Holden and I, uh, friends since undergrad, really good communication. I, I think our ability to understand one another and find the channels with which we're able to like give feedback, the channels with which we're able to like do brainstorming, how we're able to like work in tandem together has made our, our relationship really rewarding and fun um, Mm -hmm. from one perspective and also just very effective from another. Like we can, we can do so much together, even when we're not in the same room. Uh, And that level of trust, I think really allows us to, to push forward. um, Yeah. Those are, those are huge things, you know, and I've noticed it again from working with you guys where, you know, um, we might direct a, a, a email or a text or something like that towards Holden, but you'll know, you know, at certain times he's, you know, he's deep diving into code and, you know, that obviously is taking a lot of his focus. He probably carved out a good chunk of his schedule to, you know, really kind of focus in and do some deep work. So, you know, you'll jump on, on that message and, and get us the exact answers we need. And I think that just goes back to your, you saying like understanding each other, you know what I mean? Understanding what, what makes your business go and where each of each one of you guys need to focus. And I think that will become more and more important as you guys grow too, you know, um, yeah. cause you're going to, your roles are going to start to be formed. Um, but understanding why each one of you is working on certain things versus the other and understanding, you know, when and what that person needs in order to be able to do their job effectively, you know, Brian and I are seeing it firsthand too, you know, and, um, and, but I've, I've witnessed you guys, you know, and what makes your, your partnership go, you know, from firsthand from that being good communicators, working on different things, being willing to, you know, um, even if you're supposed to wear one hat and he's supposed to wear a different one, you know, being willing to kind of swap when the time's right and, and just doing whatever it takes to get what your customers need done. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, running a startup, a lot of it is understanding, especially when you're doing it with people, you know, understanding your areas of overlap and your areas of specialty and like where those things start and end. Um, Because yeah, like Holden is not going to want to do the marketing stuff that I'm doing or speaking to the customers. Um, He wants to be in the code. He wants to be writing, pushing, 
new products out, new features out. And then where we overlap is making sure that our customers succeed. And right. you know, there's places where we need to do those handoffs um, or where either of us are. And we're, we're both po- perfectly capable of playing within each other's spaces, but understanding like who owns what um, it's a big, it's a big challenge um, that we've, uh, we're always navigating and always trying to improve Yep. Uh, with both ourselves and our employees. So awesome. Awesome, man. Um, so one other question I had to you, a couple more personal questions, I guess, on your, on this front. So, you know, I'm someone who, um, I've, I've started a few businesses, um, but I went to undergrad, you know, and I've always thought about going to grad school and you know, the benefits of it. I know you guys both did, um, you know, you went to Harvard business school, which obviously is pretty renowned. Um, but you know, outside of just getting more education and, and obviously at, you know, the school that you went to, you probably got a great education, you know, what have been some of the, the most beneficial and rewarding parts of, of attending business school and really kind of taking a deeper dive into that business education? Yeah, I think there's a big piece to it, which is like the almost like pass to let you go try something. Um, I think HBS really gave me that. I'm super fortunate to go and, and have this wonderful experience, but meeting all these people from different backgrounds who had done so many different things, like starting their own companies or working for the UN or myriad of other options uh there's kind of this feeling of like well why not me uh why why not you know take the big shot try to do something different and and see if i can make it happen uh and i think that really accelerated my timeline a lot for starting a business Mm -hmm. i think before business school i was you know i'll keep working for a couple years and eventually you know maybe in my late 30s or 40s would start a business but i think business will kind of said, Hey, look, you've got the tools to do this now. Um, why not take the shot? And I, uh, I really appreciated that network that kind of gave me that support. And it was you know, partially the school, but uh, a lot of friends and teachers that really, you know, pushed me and said, I think you can do it. And that, uh, that support is just so key when you're starting anything because okay. the good days and bad days, come but like most of it's just being able to continue and and trusting yourself in the process yeah man i mean i think um you know i learned a lot of that from babson right it's a huge entrepreneurship school and community and you know a lot of the classes they have are around creating and starting businesses and growing them and scaling them and even though i think that the best way to learn by far is to go out and do it and and fail on your own and fail with your own money and fail with your own you know, um, stakes, but, um, at the same time having, you know, getting to see firsthand, like all these success stories of people that did go out and start their business, getting to learn about, you know, the intricacies that you might face one day, you know, having a community that kind of is always putting on events and, you know, supporting people's dreams and, and, you know, getting out there and introducing them to potential investors and ideas that they have. It's just like, all of that combined um, is what's enough to maybe give you like, Hey, I should take a shot. You know, I should take a shot right now. And I might not use any of these resources like investors, or I might not use, you know, um, I, I might be able to attend every event, but um, at the end of the day, I might not even, you know, 
do any of the basic accounting that I learned when I was at school in my own business. At the end of the day, it's the combined, you know, atmosphere, the combined camaraderie, the combined, you know, education around, hey, if you want to go take a shot, you're capable of doing it. And you should. And I think you should, especially when you're younger. You know, I think there's a lot like, I haven't hit any grand slams in my career yet. Um, I think, you know, um, we're always working towards, you know, getting getting more and more at bats and more at shots at doing big things. But the amount I've learned from just being on my own, kind of trying to start, a, you know, start different businesses in the last six, seven years, it's just been ridiculous, you know, and, and we're still both, you know, fairly young and um, I, 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 I wouldn't trade that, you know, education to the world for, you know, trying to fail, you know, start, fail, succeed, get back up again and just keep going. Yeah. I, I think failure is a force multiplier. If you let it be, mm-hmm. um, I think you were, you were also a college athlete. You get the, the feeling of like, you don't learn as much from your successes as you do your failures. And taking shots is really the only way you can, you can fail. And long-term, the best way to succeed is a lot of failures. Um, just having a, conversation with another customer a while ago and they were talking they were like oh man this is this is a great idea i love it i love it and they're like how did you come up with this this is this is awesome i said you know yeah it's this is a good idea but it is built on the backbone of a lot of really bad ideas right (laughs) right yeah Um, oh my god yeah and it's i think our society really glorifies the end result but like appreciating how hard the journey is um is is an important piece too no it's it, it really is and you know it, it's funny I, I literally saw something earlier today that it's kind of along those same lines um you know it was this picasso reference um it's like a story about picasso and uh it's a it's about a, a young woman bumps into pablo picasso on the street and he's she's like oh can we you know will you paint me a picture and um he's like yeah sure so he, you know, draws this picture in two minutes and it's a masterpiece, you know, cause he's Picasso and he goes and hands it to her and he's like, all right, that'll be a million dollars. It's like a million dollars, you know, that only took you two minutes. And his answer is like, well, no, it took me 30 years to be able to do what I just did right there. So it did it. Yeah. Maybe it took that one took two minutes, but it took 30 years to get to this point. And I think that's, you know, a lot, a lot to be said about failure you know, I think both of us are on to pretty good ideas right now and we're seeing them work. Um, but they were built on the back of literally trying a million things and, and, and fucking up a few of them and failing at a few of them and scrapping a bunch of them. And, you know, it's just, but you just got to stay in the game. And that, like you said, that compounding education will make you figure out, you know, Hey, this is the right way to grow this thing. Not this way. I've tried that way. It's not going to work for this. You know, this is the right way to, this is the right service to offer. This is, you know, that's a shiny object. Yes. We might be able to make a couple bucks over here, but it's not something we should focus on. We need to stay focused on what we're doing right now. All those things are from not doing like the, in the past from trying everything and realizing it. Right. Yeah. And, and even, I think the thing is, even when you're on to the right thing, you'll make, more mistakes than things you'll do right um and that's hard to remember like right you know you'll hire the wrong person more times than you'll hire the right person early on and it's just part of the process until you get enough times that you can do it in two minutes and that's 
that's the game. Yep. Yep. So tell me this, you know, what's a, um, what's an unusual habit or something that, you know, is, I guess, different to the rest of the world that, you know, maybe you love or excel in. And I think I know the answer from knowing you, but I'm, I want to see what you say. And unusual habit of mine. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, growing up, I was, I was a fencer, which is just like, if you want to pick a sport to get bullied in, like definitely do fencing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh no, yeah, it, was, were, it was a great time. You were a top, like, you were a top fencer. I, I was, yeah, I was on team USA. Um, which is a, a wonderful experience to be able to travel around the world and compete against Olympians and world champions and um, made some tremendous friends through that. So it's, it's a pretty different life um, than most people have lived. It, mm-hmm. I, I remember we, we lost a customer once and Holden was, was really upset. And I, he was like, why aren't you mad? And I was like, you know, when you've been screamed in the face by a six, seven Estonian man with a, a weapon in his hand, there's just like a lot less things that frustrate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That guy might beat your face in or something or stab you. Um, yeah. You know, the customer, you can get another customer back and chances are they probably weren't the right customer. So it's at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, it's money lost and it's frustrating because you, you know, you, you probably thought you're doing a really good job in the sense of like, we're doing everything we can, but you know, it was probably never going to work out anyways, but no, I always think yeah. that's fascinating, man. Like if I, I've never fenced. And even if I had the desire to go fence, I wouldn't even know where to, where to even go to do something like that. But you've, you know, kind of built a life around or, you know, at least a past life around, uh, and a really cool one around that type of opportunity, which I think is, I think is really cool. So last yeah. question I got, um, what is an item under a hundred dollars that you bought recently that, you love and i know it's hard to buy things for under 100 bucks now but um what's something that you've bought and you've been like this is this is the best i i think you know it's cheating a little because it was it was on black friday but i got an an air fryer for under 100 bucks and i just absolutely love it it's like my favorite way to cook um my partner and i do a lot of cooking on uh the weekends we'll do meal prep and we will just use the air fryer all day so that's why <laughs> dude, those things problem. rule. They really do. And they cook. I mean, the food comes out unbelievable and unbelievable. under a hundred dollars for one of those too. I mean, that's, that's some pretty sick value. Yeah. I think they're normally like one fifty. Um, so it was a pretty, pretty solid discount. That's a steal. That's a steal. Well, look, man, I really appreciate you coming on here. You know, I, um, I, I, you guys, one of the first groups I thought of when I wanted to fire this thing back up and, you know, obviously love working with you guys, love watching you guys grow, um, and looking forward to doing a lot together. I think, uh, we really, we really only just begun. I think we're still in the batter's box. We might not even be in the first inning. Um, and that's exciting because we're doing a lot already. Yeah. But I mean, for, for our businesses to together have generated over a a billion dollars of proprietary deal flow, um, for funds. Yep. In the first, what are we like six months in? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd say we're, we're definitely hitting more than singles these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and a lot of those are going to turn into transactions soon, which is a great, yeah. um, well, great, man. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for your time. Um, and again, 
awesome, awesome working with you guys. Um, shout out to Otto, shout out to Holden. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Love deal, Jen. <laughs> Thanks, man. See ya. Bye.